Monorants, a podcast where we rant exclusively about Amazon's The Boys, at least for another 10 or 11 episodes anyway. I'm one of your hosts and jack-of-all-trades Mono, and with me is my co-host and master of none, Kira. I got ants in my pants! Fair enough. This week, we're discussing Season 1's last episode, You Fame Me, and as is there won't, we'll be talking comics and referencing ahead in the show, probably pretty heavily this time, so spoilers ahead. So, Kira... I don't like the summaries that are on IMDb. They're garbage, I think. Okay. So I'm I, henceforth, I'm going to see if my jack-of-all-trades status applies to writing summaries, and I'm just going to try and write summaries for each of the episodes. Oh, okay. So here we go. Good luck. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> so in the last installment of season one, Vodder in the military and back on top. The boys are on the run from everyone, and Billy goes to see an old friend. Meanwhile, Homelander and Stilwell's relationship comes to a climax as Billy's, <laughs> as Billy's true motives and loyalties are laid bare. In the end, it'll take a true hero to save the boys. So, Kira, last episode. One full season down. What do we think? Well, let's talk about the episode first, because a lot happens. This does wrap up a lot of the threads. Oh yeah. Of the so it opens obviously with in oh, well, Syria. Before, before we dive in, and well, congrats for. I know. I remember two episodes in a row. Go me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, the creative team for this episode was no newbies this time. Uh, director was Kripke himself, and the writers were Anne Cafel Saunders, who wrote episode five, and then Rebecca Sunshine, who wrote episode six. So yeah, back to Syria. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> opens uh, with a strike team moving towards a facility in Syria. From the previous episode, we know that they're investigating a cell of terrorists who seem to be in possession of a superpowered terrorist. Fun. Yeah. Because that's what the world needs. Oh yeah. So you've got a strike team moving in, doing what they've been trained to do, and it's all very stealth and hand signals, and you know. Wearing the paint and climbing the trees. And Homelander just rocks on up, lands on top of a car, starts speaking in his normal talking voice. Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, you boys. It's okay. You can go sit down, put the feet up, have a cup of tea. I'm going to go take care of this. And then in the most patronizing tone ever is like, and you guys are the real heroes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the most patronizing he's been when saying that. I, I thought the exact same. <laughs> he doesn't even care now. No. The goal has been accomplished. He's in the military. He's, I don't need to give you sincere He platitudes. knows there's head cams going on as well. So yeah. he's just like, hey. And then he proceeds to rock on into this warehouse and um, annihilate everybody. And again, the, the music. Rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah. Yeah. By, uh, I can't remember the name of the band that covers it, um, but it's very much done in a, a kind of Middle Eastern style. Yeah, no, it's actually, it's a great and version of it for this. The whole, once he goes inside the building, it's such a pretty Rashid, scene. Rashid Taha. Rashid Taha. There you go, folks. But yeah, when, once he gets inside the building, it's such a pretty scene. Obviously, I know it's really gory, but just... The way everything is framed and the lighting and you can tell so much thought and effort went into to every single shot. And when it cuts back to the, the soldiers outside in their point of view and they can all see, all they can hear is like screams 
and there's just explosions going on and you can see like the, the, the light from the lasers, lasers. there's yeah. like lasers and explosions and screams and there's blood splatter going up windows and then inside it's just people running and screaming oh Homelander kills and everybody yeah he's a lot more accurate this time round with the owl laser vision in fairness a little bit more accurate yeah <laughs> But I like it, the fact that a lot of it when it there it cuts to the inside and is him destroying everything. He's mostly in shadow except for the eyes. The eyes, yeah. Um, it really looks like some of the shots of like Darkseed with the Omega beams. Oh, know? yeah. Like the, from the comic book versions of him where he's shadowed and you can just see the eyes glowing of it. But it really reinforces the whole the Homelander's gone darker isn't trying to disguise it anymore. Well, that the poor young he's becoming more of a villain yeah than that poor young terrorist or whatever he's supposed to be the kid you know he looks like he's about 18 or 19 he gets his legs chopped off and then Homelander just slowly stands on his skull and squishes him because he would have been okay with just the legs being gone because the lasers seem to cauterize everything yeah but Homelander's not leaving anybody oh no he popped his head like a melon because when he comes out and we see that he's holding the vial of V he's like I found this inside it's incumbent upon him to make sure that anybody inside, especially if these are people who he's been, as we find out later in the episode when he reveals to Stillwell, he's the one who's been in charge of this whole creating the soup terrorist thing. So it makes sense for him to want to go in and kill everybody inside so that they can't... Oh, he's covering his tracks. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, I question whether or not the V was actually there or if he just happened to have... He's, his oh, whole, he, oh, he brought that with yeah, him. Yeah, his whole thing is to just plant it and make give them a scapegoat so that they're not looking at Vought anymore. Well, yeah, they were going they were going in there to try and see... Well, presumably, the, the army were going in there to try and investigate something follow up with the Nakib terrorist whether yeah. they might find V or whatever and if they had gone in they wouldn't have killed everybody they would have questioned some of the people and yeah some of the truth about what Homelander has been up to might have gotten out so yeah he had to kill everybody inside and does, it doesn't make a difference if they go in or not now because he's blown up the place and the last guy <laughs> the last guy he gets who's running away who he just slices in half yeah. And all the soldiers look terrified. Yeah. There are rules of engagement. Well, presumably you only ever see... What they've only ever seen of him is what's been on TV. Yeah. You know, and they don't... Like, in the first episode when when he took out the the bank robbers, he wasn't on camera until afterwards. It wasn't until he started taking selfies with the kids. So the people around saw him, you know, laser that guy's gun and melt it into his hand and then throw the other guy into the air. Yeah. But not everybody would have seen that. You know what I mean? That's all like acceptable comic book violence if you get me it's like oh he just like super punched him but yeah you can but this they're actually seeing it up close yeah you know, firsthand and oof, that that guy just got cut in half like yeah and it's it's very his aim is shit and that like he just kind of cuts across the whole you know alleyway that your man's yeah. running down and happens to cut him in half and yeah, it's 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 not precise at all, and it's just it's gory, and the, it, the soldiers are just sitting there going, "Ooh, um, it's so just how dangerous they are as well." Yeah, you know, he might be on America's side at the moment, but there's nobody who can really stop him if he decides to go on with his own agenda, which is what he is doing. Plus, there was about what, like fifteen or twenty guys there. Yeah. So they were going in expecting heavy resistance. Yeah, you it, was know? A, it was a it full-on like, strike force. Like yeah, it wasn't multiple... a three or four man squad going in to get like one target or one thing. That like was, it yeah. was with the Nikita, with, in the initial incident, it's, I think there's five of them. 
Yeah, there certainly wasn't that many when yeah. they when they were going after the guys so they, from Flight 37. Yeah, so they were aware of the fact that they're going to be facing... Well, it's obviously, it's a big facility that they're clearing mm. as well. It's four or but, five floors. It's a factory. You know, they've obviously been monitoring it for a while. There's multiple points of ingress. There was probably going to be people going in through the roof. Like, they were going to contain everybody. And instead, they got to sit there and watch one man go in... And destroy the place. And destroy the place. Come out without a scratch on him and only one person escapes and then he gets slaughtered as well. Yeah. You know, that for they, they more than anybody else, we realised just how powerful he is with what he's done because they knew exactly what was... Well, not exactly, but they would have known what was waiting for them inside. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. But following that, we get introduced to Bobby because he's always Bobby no matter what he's in. <laughs> is he Bobby in this? What is he? He's Robert Singer. He's oh, he Secretary of Defence Robert Singer. He's. I think I don't think it's so much a case that he's always Bobby as it is that producer Robert Singer is like, please name a character after me. Well, yeah, he was named he was named <laughs> for the producer of Supernatural. Yeah. When he's Bobby Singer in Supernatural, and I think Kripke just thought it would be funny to have him be Robert Singer again. Yeah. And he's supposed to be Dakota Bob from the comics. Oh, right. That makes more sense. Dakota Bob in the comics is actually the president. And he's very much an anti Vought person, and his vice president is Vic the Veep, who is gender swapped and <laughs> completely different, except yeah. in for everything except for in name as Victoria Newman in season two. But yeah, he's supposed to, be to Dakota say, Bob. yeah, he's supposed to be Dakota Bob, and I love Jim Beaver. He's just so much fun in everything he's in. But yeah, we get to see him as uh, Secretary of Defense, yeah. giving it to Stillwell. Um, at the oh, start, and then she turns on him. Beautiful insult as well. You're tennis. Tennis toned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's just sitting there with this little smile on her face, just waiting on finishing it before she throws out all these arguments to prove how much of a hypocrite he's being. Because she is, in a way, she is right with her argument of you sat in the board of directors of Lockheed, you know, all these private companies who manufacture all these massive weapons, but you're not hauling them up to talk well, about it. That's not even the point that she's trying to make. She just throws that in there, I think, as a little stinger. Because the point she's making is all that shit is now useless. Yeah. But but the company's all but that, that is a very valid observation on your point that it is. It's so hypocritical. He's like, you know, he's just upset that they're pushing their agenda in their dodgy way. When how many companies like Lockheed or whatever yeah. have senators in their back pockets and make them vote certain ways on certain things. It's just that because this it's, is... Yeah, it serves their agenda and it serves... At the end of the day, it's, it serves their bottom line and their own personal finances. Yeah. So even this guy who's supposed to be, you know, have the moral high ground and be, you know, I'm from the government, I'm here to tell you that you've done wrong. She's like, yeah, well, you're from the government, but weren't you on the board of directors of that massive weapons manufacturer too? Yeah. Yeah, it, and it is. just happens to be my company that has the answers this time, not your company. Yeah, and you're just upset that there's a, a, a new player at the table. Yeah. And that's that's what it comes down to for Stillwell. Is that's what she thinks is. And she just, knows there's nothing that they can pin on them definitively. At the, certainly at that point, because she hasn't found out that it was Homeland. She doesn't know when she's in that meeting. No, but she, where also it actually Homelander is also intelligent enough to have covered his own tracks. You would hope. And he does seem to be. Yeah. Well, if she didn't know what was going on under her own nose. Yeah, yeah, you would assume if he's been pretty good about it. you don't know what's going on in your own house. Yeah, and he seems to, it, he only seems to really have involved A-Train in that. Yeah. It was him, A-Train, A-Train and the terrorists. A-Train's a junkie as well, so it's easy to keep your junkies quiet. Well, I think it was also a necessity. He couldn't necessarily, he probably didn't have the time in his schedule to fly around the world, and he'd certainly be seen. Yeah. 
A Train can run wherever he needs in the comics he can certainly run across water yeah so we'll assume that A Train can here he can literally run around the world drop it off without anybody seeing him and run back so I think that that he he brought A Train in because he had to not because he trusted him or anything like that no he had him in his pocket and he's got and yeah he's totally able to so he can blackmail him that way as well yeah he can manipulate him and it's clear Adrian is totally terrified of him, so he knows that he's not going to... In fairness, if you've seen him, his non-camera persona in action, you would be terrified of him too. Oh, God, yeah. The man is a psychopath. I am terrified of him. Yeah, I know. He's a fictional <laughs> character. He's a fictional character. Yeah, I still check under my bed for him at night. <laughs> yeah, forget the boogeyman. Yeah. Where's no. Homelander? Yeah, the boogeyman's scared of Homelander. He's hiding <laughs> under the bed with me. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a nice little scene. Just to show us, because in the last the last time we saw a representative of the government interacting with Vought, it was Rainer and Stillwell. And Rainer did seem to have the upper hand until she finds out about Nakib. And in this we can see, nope, Vought are, as I said, they're back on top. Yeah. They're able to, to play all the angles whatever way they want to play them and they've got to call the shots, like, you know. Which is reinforced by the next scene, which is Butcher on the phone. They're all in their motel, in their hideout. Yeah, in frantic mode. And Butcher's on the phone to Rayner with while Rayner is telling him that the Department of Justice have agreed, you know, that the de- the military deal is back on. Vodder off the hook. And v is the- classified. V is staying classified. Vodder insisting that the boy's fugitive status be reinstated and the Department of Justice have agreed to that. Yeah. And then she's like, you're fucked and hangs up the phone. And he continues the fucking phone call on his side to make it come out like he's on top. Or oh, that. yeah. Everything's great. <laughs> and the, the, I just love the, the look that Frenchie and Mother's Milk give to each other. And they're like, we're getting out here. And they start packing. Yeah, because they've heard the rest of the conversation. They've heard him be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why are they doing that? Are you serious? And then at the end, he's like faking it. Going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything's brilliant. And they're like, uh, no. no. So we're splitting up? Yeah, we're splitting up. I'm going to Montreal. We get the first little bit of the female in the bathroom. Oh, rediscovering who she is. And yeah, and trying to. I, I like how that's dotted throughout the episode. Yeah, it started kind of in the. When she's watching the sharks, she's cleaned up and she's in the bright yellow hoodie mm. and she's drawing because she's trying to explain to them when you start getting it with the Mesmer episode. Yeah. And she's starting to kind of reclaim who she is and that she's not this savage who's been used most of her life. Yeah, and in the first scene, we just see her kind of. Starting to like comb out her hair, yeah, and and she's looking at herself in the mirror kind of quizzically. But I really thought, is it only in just the two scenes? Is it the next scene later on when she cuts back to she's her before they get her taken? Nails. And her, yeah, she's made her hair all pretty and she's painting her nails. And I really thought it was powerful when she tries to speak. Yeah, I thought that was so powerful because you you got just in her facial expressions, you got the impression that a it was the first time she had tried it. Yeah. So in all the time since she, she's never spoken since she got taken away and she never tried to speak when she was with her brother or in the camp or anything. And, and now she feels confident enough to try it and she tries and she just gets a kind of raspy breath out and she looks so upset and it's, oh, there's so much going on there. You know yeah. what I mean? And it was in, just really she's touching. In very feminine clothing as well. Yeah. And it, it's what you said. It's, it's that she's. It's she's a reclamation trying to reclaim of who, who she, she is. is, yeah, and and if she can, that I think for her is the final step. And when, then when she is hears being some, able to talk again, yeah, when she hears something outside, and she goes out to warn them. And Frenchie's face and his face when he sees her is just beautiful. Like it's it is mm-hmm. it's so sweet. Their chemistry together is amazing. 
Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's like one of the highlights of the show. Yeah, from the very get go, you it's like he cares very deeply for her, and when he sees her, and he's like, "Oh, Moncur, look at you," and it's just you want somebody to look at you the way Frenchie looks at her. It's and so sweet. I really, I really, even MM has a bit yes. of a like, ah, oh, look going on. And what I really liked about that episode or the episode today was that you see MM does start to warm to the female. Yeah, and it's not necessarily because of anything she's done it's that chat that he has with Frenchie when they're in the cell later on in the episode and Frenchie asks him why didn't you tell us about your daughter like you know we we probably wouldn't have let you rejoin if we had known yeah. well certainly Frenchie would have been more concerned Butcher probably wouldn't have given a shit either way no nah. but you know he explains to him why he didn't tell the guys about his daughter that you know she's the one thing that's really good in his life and she, he just wanted her to be completely separate from the bad shit in his life and the yeah. boys. And that's why he didn't bring it up. And Frenchie says, you know, I understand. She made you a better person. And M.M. kind of looks at him and he then realizes this is why Frenchie's so obsessed Care. with the female. Like, not obsessed, but like why he's so insistent on allowing her the time. Like, you know, he, he's the one who was pissed off earlier about her being in the bathroom the whole time and Frenchie was just like whatever just leave her be like you know he's get he gets it now this is why Frenchie is taking so much time with her and affording her everything he can and doing everything he can to help her is because he thinks like you said a couple of times throughout the season she makes him a better person he can try and redeem himself somehow through helping her and M.M. gets it and goes so far as to be the one who saves her in this episode yeah when Frenchie gets shot and he's like, oh, fuck, I, yeah, I got to do this. Yeah. And yeah, I really like that. Where Little aside, the aside is very, very sweet. Yeah. It's nice as well that there is more of those exchanges because in the comic books, you don't really get to see the additional members of the team interacting with each other outside of Huey or Butcher's perspective. Um, yeah, and I was nearly going to say the exact same thing in as much as they're already a full team and Huey is just joins in the rest yeah. of them all have all known each other whereas in this it's just Butcher MM and Frenchie who have worked together in the past female and Huey are new so there's a lot of new interactions and a lot of friendships to be made yes but a lot of bridges to be repaired as well oh yeah Especially, definitely like they all seem to have come to the conclusion that Butcher is like they know who Butcher is the other two do Huey's starting to see that now and they realise that they're the only two they can only really rely on each other to be honest yeah oh yeah and Butcher, I really like what they do with Butcher in this episode because it's not something that's broached in the comics until a good bit later. Like, he lies to them a lot throughout the comics, Mm. but you don't see just how single-minded and self-serving he is until a lot later in the comics. No, his confrontation with Mallory. Yeah, that opens opens Huey's eyes. It opens our eyes as viewers as well, like. He's a hypocrite as well. He is... So he's not present for the exchange in the motel room. He's gone with Hugh to go yeah, see he somebody. Yeah, with Hugh, yeah. So you've only got, in the motel room, you've only got Frenchie, MM, and the and female. female. They get taken out. They've all agreed to sit tight for a few hours while Butcher's trying to fix this. Whereas they, if they'd been sensible, they would have left as soon as he left because they end up getting taken out by special forces. That's a really nice scene because she comes out of the bathroom. Yeah. He looks at her and he's like, oh. And then smoke grenades and but, he pushes her back into the bathroom and covers the bomb of the door of the towel and tells her to escape. But it's it's, it's nearly scary. her her done upness 
you know, her prettiness that causes them to be taken unawares. Because she comes out of the bathroom to warn them. You can see the look on her face is something is wrong. When Frenchie looks up at her, sees the look on her face, and then is distracted by everything else, by how pretty she looks. And he's like, oh my God, look at you. And she's like, no, not look at me. Look at what's about to happen. They and, put up a good fight, but those oh, they guys do, yeah. have like everything because yeah. she goes have, out through the bed whatever happens whatever happens with them you assume they, they've just gotten taken out yeah straight away and she goes through the window and puts up a damn good fight yeah she goes through that glass injected window. then with some sort of she goes through that glass window with bare feet too yeah yeah and then she gets dragged across the cement with the bare feet dragging yeah. and it was just oh <laughs> oh unnecessary like screamishness because she does make a break for it and tries to hide under a car that to me spoke about even Frenchie and M.M do still have a lot more blind faith in Butcher than Huey then, does. Then the because, agreeing to stay. Because when they, yeah, when they agree to stay, before they do, Butcher's like, oh, no, no, I've got a plan. And M.M. says, what is it? And Butcher just says, give me a few hours. Come on, Huey, you're with me. And they don't push it any further than that. Like, they were ready to run out the door and all Butcher has to say is, I've got a plan. Yeah. And that's enough for them. Whereas Huey takes the stand later in the episode against him. But he is, he's just, oh, he, Butcher's an absolute bastard. In this, way more so than in the comics. And I love it. There's a really interesting little conversation going on. While Butcher's on the phone to Rainer, M.M.'s on the phone to a reporter. Yeah. And the reporter won't touch that story. And he even, you can hear him saying that, what, don't you want to pollute? Uh, yeah, he's said, yeah, that Vought are making super terrorists. Yeah. And but they've all been, they're all like, nope, not doing it, not touching it. Nobody else knows. Yeah. V is classified. The only people who know about Nakib are really the military and Whoever the higher ups in Vought. Yeah, and the boys. So nobody in the public knows about any of the dodgy shit Vought are doing. So if somebody rang up a journalist and said, hey, Vought are making supervillains and there's absolutely no evidence that he can point to over the phone. Yeah, I'm not surprised that your man doesn't want to believe him. It'd be different if the revelation about V had come out already. But that hasn't happened yet. No. But yeah, Butcher's just, he's an out and out bastard. He oh yeah, an out and out bastard and you see him display a little bit of emotion when he's talking to Mallory when he's saying you know like about how he used her and you know you owe me and obviously our introduction proper to Mallory yes we get to actually meet her face to face again she's been gender swapped which I think makes it more powerful especially the storyline about her grandchildren mm. just given female mothering instinct for something so horrific to have happened to the offspring of her offspring yeah and it also it mirrors not quite as fucked up, but it mirrors the Stillwell-Homelander relationship of <sighs> mother slash mentor and trainee who has been manipulated by them. Yes. And I think that's, it's interesting that, when, to me anyway, when when Huey's, or sorry, when Billy's talking to Mallory, you can see a few bits of genuine emotion when he's talking about how she made him this promise and trained him up and manipulated him, but never actually let him get to the goal. And you can see him start to break a little bit. And I feel like that's because Mallory's the only person he can't hide it from. No, well, Mallory's he the can... one that came to him in his darkest moment Ex- and so showed she knows. him this footage. And ah. she knows all the tricks he used on the rest of them. Yeah, she knows exactly what happened. And when she's describing the aftermath of the Avalon Blyder's attack on her grandchildren. Oh, and there weren't even teeth left. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's Yeah, even in, in this nice scene and his beautiful surroundings what they're talking about is really dark stuff like he's there to get help because his wife was killed and and she Mallory took advantage of that situation and drained up Butcher Butcher's now completely hell bent on this and she's the only possible not lead but the only possible 
person who can help him at this stage. Everybody yeah. else is useless to him or deserted him. It's nice to be able to put a face to her name as well because she's been, already been referenced in these like hallowed tones as the Mallory mm. Files and anyone who got And we saw her in shit, a flashback. Get shit canned immediately. Yeah. So what the fuck does she like? Obviously, whatever she had been doing is extremely bla- like black ops. <laughs> or was it just that? The information that she Mallory has is was, so dangerous. Or also Mallory was so high up in the CIA that after what happened to her, she was the one who was like, nobody is allowed to ever go near soups again. Yeah. And people who followed on and took over the role from Mallory have just kept that role of, no, Mallory said it was a really bad idea and look what happened to her. No, yeah. nobody's going near it again. Like, But yeah, no, we and we get to see a good bit more of Mallory in season two, mm. but I, I'm loving what they've done with her so far. She's such... I can't think of the actress's name, actually, but she's such a presence. She's so She really, forceful. really reminds me of Glenn Close in that she mm. has... She is stunningly beautiful, but she also has that touch of androgyny. Yeah. And has a very regal... Like, she's an elegant woman. She is, but she is such a... She's so she's, forceful as well. You never feel like at any point in that conversation between her and Billy that she has... Or that he has the upper hand. No. Even when he's using, you know, his whatever various bargaining chips. And she does throw him a bone at the end. But I feel like the only reason she throws him a bone is just to get him to go away. Yeah, she wants to be It's not because she feels bad or, you know, she doesn't really feel all that guilty about it. But it is very telling. Layla Robbins. Layla Robbins. Layla Robbins. She's brilliant. Uh, Again, it's telling that the only time she really seems to express, you know, emotion beyond kind of anger is the only time she pleads with him over anything is when they're leaving and she pleads with him not to drag the others to their death. Yes. She gives Huey a little warning about vengeance and she pleads with Billy. She said, you know, don't, don't drag them down with you. Don't, don't get them killed because of your Vendetta. boner for killing Homelander. Yeah. And you can see Huey's like, it's really starting to sink in with Huey. Yeah, well, this is like the first time Huey really, really stands up to him as well as as they're returning to the motel. Yeah, that's the nail in the coffin. And he's like, and Butcher slows down and then speeds up again. He's like, wait, wait, hang on. He goes, oh, new window. There's a black van and the pavement's been scrubbed. It's a flowers van. It's a flowers van. <laughs> Which references back to his little rant it's about getting the moving van. Yeah, don't you think the moving van's a bit conspicuous? No, what I think is conspicuous is a black van with flowers on the side. And that's what's waiting for them in yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the car and park. He, but and he's like, no, come on, we'll keep on going, and that's the first time I think it really sets in for Huey, because Butcher's reaction isn't shit. The net's closing around us. We got to go and help the boys. It's shit. The net's closing around us. We don't have much time to complete my plan. Yes, I will and, get my vengeance. That's what they wanted me to do, and he's trying to plead with his humanity about you know, MM has a daughter. You yeah. don't want to do that to him, and he really. That's the first time he really like pulls out his balls and stands up to Butcher and Butcher responds by calling McCon to tell him he's he's disgraced her off his memory yeah which is low oh it's totally low and he even admits when Huey kind of says I've been stupid you know all you were doing was using me because I was useful to you Butcher's response he doesn't deny it he just says of course you were useful to me he tries to make out like it's more but he certainly doesn't deny it no and it's what he's been doing to all of them yeah he's found that one thing that weakness on all of them that one thing and he's using that to get them to do what he wants. And his response to Huey standing up to him is to throw him out of the car and take off. Well, he doesn't throw him out of the car. They're already out of the car when yeah. they're having the argument. But, but yeah, he just he tries to you know belittle him into to going with him. He tries to reason shame with him. him. Yeah, he tries to shame him rather than reason with him. 
and he just he tries everything that he can and Huey's like no like this is ridiculous we have to go and save them like you're not going to be able to fucking kill Homelander or get your vengeance anyway certainly not now so the only thing that we can and should do is go back and save the boys yeah they've still and Huey's totally right yeah 100% in the right and I don't <laughs> I don't see how anybody after this episode and especially in season 2 I don't see how anybody can like Butcher I don't understand the people like, who, who are idolising him. He no, that's what I mean. I, I love the character. Oh, yeah. But he is not somebody that you should look up person. to. He's he's in that group, of, like, you know, Rick from Rick and Morty. <laughs> like, and yeah, you shouldn't, yeah, Butcher's no, not get, a cool get person. Get better idols. Butcher is a fucking asshole. In the words of Bethesarian, get better idols. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on. Yeah, as a brilliant character, brilliant characterization, not yeah. a role model. No, should not be somebody you're looking up to. Not um, a good idea. And Huey is the man. He goes, he tries to get a little bit of help from Starlight, but I'm sure we'll talk about Starlight's journey in this episode a bit later. He thinks he's not going to get any help from Starlight. And then the next we see of him is he's outside the the motel car park and he makes a motion that looks like he's putting a gun to his mouth and you hear a click, which we discover what that's about a few minutes later. But I love when he walks across the car park and and he just just gets gets tackled. It's so unnecessary. Four guys like full on pile up on him. And he even but responds with like, what the hell? The side swipe, the, the, the fucking flying shoulder tackle to the midsection sideways. It's so funny. And he and gets, yeah. <laughs> they just all pile on him. It's like, remember that video years back of the guy running from the officers and he comes back and he's like, just to be... You didn't get me. I came back. And he's like, my safe word is watermelon. Oh, yeah. That's that's what that reminded me of. It was just totally excessive. Oh, it was totally, yeah. It was completely excessive. Like, he's his... like, yeah, okay, he's tall. But in fairness, he's a lanky fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, yeah. <laughs> but I suppose after the female, they weren't going to be taking any chances. But, yeah, but they know that there's something, that they have something that is super powered on yeah. their side. But yeah, the fuck. Yeah, no, it's a bit excessive, but it's hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. So he gets dragged off and, and thrown into the cell with... With the two lads, yeah. And it, I think it's Frenchie's, Frenchie's, Frenchie's response. response. When they realise, they're like, oh shit, did they get you and Butcher? And he's like, no, just me. Oh, you got separated? He's like, well, no. <laughs> Butcher yeah. kind of wanted to abandon you guys. And I came to save you. <laughs> Yay. Uh, yeah, Frenchie's reaction, it's just... Oh, it's gold. And it's like it's like something straight out of the comics as well. Yeah. Where he just, he can't believe at how useless and futile of a gesture it was for Huey, of all people, to come and try and save them. And the irony being, of course, if he didn't, they wouldn't have been saved. No, because Butcher wasn't going to come back for them. Yeah, and it's the retainer that he brings with them that, th- that they're able to get out with. Which and is why scene... you see him clicking into the roof of his mouth just before he gets rugby tackled and... <laughs> You've got Frenchie B. Frenchie's whole thing is just amazement and confusion. Yeah. At the same time, about how never has anybody thrown away their life on such so futile a gesture, and he's just. Oh, I love it! I um, absolutely love it. He's like, oh, but I managed to snuggle in my twelfth grade retainer and I put it yeah. in a poly deck so that they would. It looks like a permanent one, and he's like, you can. And it's really smart. He's like, you can pick it with anything, and there's Primo wire in this. Yeah. 
But then he can't get it out of his mouth. And then you've got Frenchie digging his fingers into his mouth, trying to get it out. Basically fisting Huey's throat. like With the commentary from M.M. that really does sound like (laughs) badly dubbed porn, where he's like, harder, go in deeper. (laughs) Deep, Frenchie. And Huey's like gagging. (laughs) They won't come out. And then you've got M.M. going, right, right. I'm going to punch it out your mouth. No, but Huey's disbelief when Reggie stops. And he's like, what the fuck, Reggie? <laughs> he's like, I'm going to punch that thing out of your mouth. It's going to sting a little bit. And and to be able to punch like that with your, your hands, hands yeah. cuffed together, that's, that's a wallop that Huey takes. And he really does cold cock him, too. <laughs> he's it's like, we're going to do it on three. Bang. And he spits it out, but then just like cries in a ball. Yeah, and they, they escape pretty quickly. After, after they get the, the wire out, they just kind of gloss over how they get out and you see them knocking out a guard and well, taking their gun. Well, they pick, 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 pick. Yeah, pick, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. we don't need to see it. There's no. enough going on in this episode. We already they... know that Frenchie can pick locks, so yeah. that's, yeah. Don't yeah, it's been explained prior to that. That's fine. And we get the, the I just, I can't, even thinking about it, you, when they actually go to rescue the female or when they find the female and Frenchie gets shot and they're hiding behind the wall at the bit with Huey with the gun it's just that so room funny. that they had the female in like it's the clear sterile room in the surrounded by the desolation of like civilization was really reminiscent of 12 monkeys yeah I get that yeah when they go to yeah, find the girl that. and she's in that room that's done up like the child's room again you've got it in Bioshock with the little sister's rooms yeah. are all like lovely and done and then you step outside and it's just carnage and mayhem and violation yeah. and again uh, that just that juxtaposition of imagery that we were talking about yeah but it's it, like the fact that the female is very much an innocent in all of this yeah she has done horrific things but these things have been inflicted upon her and she's just lashing out because she's afraid mm. so to have her as this image in this white room hooked up against her will yeah and separated from, from all the, the grime outside yeah. like especially now that she and she's just kind of made herself clean and pretty and presentable as far you know mm. to that's have a, that happen to her it's a very deep reading because all I could think about watching that scene is, is just Huey going I'm sorry shoot <laughs> <laughs> It's just, oh, it's no, too it's good. Just, it's just, no, there's a lot of things that are very, very deliberate in this. And a oh, lot yeah. of the females often. You just pick up more of them than the I do. The females off like once she, they put her, once they've cleaned her up out of all the blood, she's in extremely bright, sunny, cheerful colours. Mm. Which kind of, her personality seems to be more of that sunshine mm. type. That like, okay, she's sitting there enjoying Shark Week, but she just wants to be, she just wants to be reminded of being a child terrorist essentially yeah yeah she's slowly kind of coming out of her shell yeah but yeah then you've got Huey being handed a rather large that, assault weapon the whole thing about that between Frenchie shouting at him like he's like what do I do you pull the fucking trigger now and it just everything about that I just die I was laughing. Saying, he has very good gun control that was short control bursts there wasn't any like mad flailing or anything because like that yeah, no no I... screaming of suppressing fire no they're supp- or suppressing fire extinguisher <laughs> um that's a high powered weapon he he should have just been like knocked over straight away yeah but yeah sh- screaming I'm sorry at everybody that he shot and then crouching back down being like it's out of bullets what do I do and he's like reload how do I reload and Frenchie's just doing it for him yeah and he stands up and starts shooting again also the way he hunkers down Oh, he's a tall motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> he is a tall motherfucker. He ain't no wee Huey. 
No, he is tall, but his hunker is so funny because he's just like, help me. <laughs> it, I can't, I can't praise that scene enough. I yeah. love it. It's so fucking funny. And you've got MM then coming back and they're back With, behind yeah, the wall. And they get cornered. Immediately. Like, because they've only got like, what, two magazines? Mm. And they're getting cornered up against the wall and they're told to turn around because they're all going to be shot in the back of the head, executioner style. Yep. And in Rockstar Light because... She's been reminded that she actually is a hero. And yeah. She needs to save people and do the right thing. Yeah, and Annie's, Annie's journey in this episode, it's... To that point is very, is, very interesting. Yeah, and it's really heartfelt. Like, I believe Erin Moriarty in every scene she's in. Oh, like, gotcha. Especially the first one with her and her mom. Yeah, so you've got her confronting her mother over these revelations. Because Huey has told her about Vaud and about what's going on and about V. Yeah. And she's trying to come to terms with the fact that she has been told her whole life that she was born like this. She was chosen by God. And given the area of the US she's from, religion underpins an awful lot of your community. Yeah. And of your lifestyle. So she's trying to reconcile that with this knowledge that actually no... No, she was made. Her, she was made in a lab, which is very, very different to her comic book origin, mm. which is that she blinded... Both of her parents, her birth at, parents at birth, and she was given to a foster family, which is revealed were a Vought family mm. who encouraged her, like that most soup children were placed within yeah. foster families or within Vought pre-approved families yeah. who would promote going to pageants, developing their powers. Yeah. You know, this is nearly worse though because these in the comics, those are people who are there for that express purpose. Yeah, whereas this Annie's mum has you know is her biological mum and, and still yeah. did this to her and as much as as she's finding it she you know her superpowers are were created and not god given her mother's her whole, lighter to well, her but her whole, whole life her whole life was was made for her yeah you know and she says it that that she was never able to figure out that's why she's never able to figure out who the fuck she is because her mom did everything for her you know you were you were made a superhero at birth by Vought and then I set about making sure that I did everything I could to make you a, a big star superhero. And she's like, this is our dream and Annie responds with, no, this is your dream. Yeah. I never had a chance to find out what my dreams were. And I'd say that there's a lot of, lot of children or, well, who would be adults now across the, across the world who have tried to live up to their parents' shadows and dreams and things like that. Mm. You know, either being may do pageants or do a sport that they didn't like or anything like that because their parents are trying to relive the glory days only in this yeah. instance this is somebody with life-changing powers yeah who's i think been made to anybody reveal to it's almost like a weird fucked up version of munchausen by proxy yeah anybody who's had an overbearing parent in that regard pushing them to do like you said, sport or beauty pageants or mm. talent shows or whatever it is could totally relate to, to any and her relationship with her mom like yeah. she is supposed to be that that dance mom that pageant mom that cheerleader mom or whatever the but helicopter dead. parent but dad <laughs> yeah but it but is dad. yeah and she's like oh but I was happy her mom I think the thing about that really really got me on that scene was the mom being like but I gave up I got up at 5am and I gave up all my life too and Annie was like but that was your it was her choice, choice. yeah she's the one who decided don't you put that on me yeah. I'm not the one who decided I wanted to do all of these things she's spoken about it in previous episodes that she used to do all the little miss pageants and things like yeah. that which are presumably the toddler pageants no child wants to do those 
But, not of their own free will. <laughs> yeah. And, and by can, the time they're old enough to be doing like the teenage pageants or whatever, you know, that's just the thing that they did. Yeah. And even the, the set dressing of that scene, Annie's mum's house is filled with posters of Annie. And oh, new and posters. Covers. It's yep. all to do with Annie being in the seven and Citizen Starlight posters. And it's just the whole, like nearly every wall. There's a, has no, big there's a few that it. were from her time in Teenage Kicks. Or not Teenage Kicks, whatever the one was she was in with. Young them. Americans. There's a few of the Young Americans ones from things yeah. that they did. But the bigger ones, like you can see them in the background. Yeah. Like the smaller, like the local covers and the local magazines and local conventions. And then you've got... Now, none of them are in the slutty uniform, though. Did you notice that? They're yeah. all in her super conservative uniform. I prefer the conservative uniform. I think it speaks more to who Annie is. Yeah. So when you do see her in the trampy one, she is... You can Any, see her physical uncomfortableness as well. Anytime Annie's in the trampy episode or trampy outfit in this episode is when she's playing up the Vought good girl side of things yeah. anytime she's in her starlight outfit she's being true to herself yeah. and when she's in her civilian clothes she hasn't made up her mind No. in this episode and that scene with her moment to start really kind of hammered home for me that was Annie's last kind of pillar she like she's lost her faith in superheroes she's lost her faith in her mum she's lost her faith in Huey and now she's lost her faith even in her own powers yeah you know she had lost her faith in her mum because her mum was kind of forcing her to do the thing even though she knew she didn't want to and then she finds out even worse my mum is the one who made me like this and these aren't god-given powers and dad didn't even leave because he was bad with money dad left because he couldn't handle what he'd done to me yeah Poor Annie has nothing left, like. Like, and the fact that her mother tries to explain it away is, oh, they only paid the, me- covered the medical the, costs. Yeah, I didn't do it for money. And that, again, it's like, well, Vought didn't even pay? How Vought is that? Yeah, like it was only medical costs. No, in saying that, it's also the US and medical costs can run right up. Yeah, true. But at the same time. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if medical costs only meant the medical costs of giving her the V and monitoring her after the V was given. They probably didn't even pay for the birth. I would have actually sympathised more with her mom if her mom had been like, oh, you were premature and you were sick and yada, 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 and we didn't know if you were going to live and we were, you know, if it had come across it that they had been kind of preyed upon by Vaughn. Well, we were saying being, that in know, yeah. episode five, I think, or episode six. When you find six. out that it is the NICU babies. And yeah, that, that we, we thought that's probably how Vaughn go in. They go into premature babies or whatever or people with premature babies or, or babies that babies, have problems yeah that are like say, terminal hey, we can make them a superhero and save them yeah we can give them this serum yeah you yeah. know if she had turned around and been like oh you were dying and you know we couldn't afford this that and the other and then you know how would you feel if this was your child and somebody came up to you and said we have this miracle drug you would do anything to save them but there doesn't seem to be any sort of not that it's saying that that's a defense, but she doesn't seem to even have an argument like that. It was just that, oh, they paid the medical costs. Yeah. There doesn't seem to have been anything inherently like wrong with her. No, they just, they just came and mm-hmm. they said, hey, we can make your daughter a superhero and she'll have an amazing life. And the mum went, oh, that's deadly because then I can be rich and famous because of it. Yeah. And that was really all. It sounded, it seems like that and was all And then trying the to justify it as God did choose you. God brought what into our lives? That, yeah, lovely little bit of mental gymnastics from her. Oh no, it was still so God's she, plan. Yeah, she's deluded herself into believing that this is the right thing that she's done. Yeah, even all along she knew it wasn't God-given powers, but she was like, well, it's God-given in a way. 
And yeah, poor Annie storms out. And when we next see her, she's just sitting in a church. Listening to the choir practice. Listening to the choir, like, you know, presumably contemplating. And it's a, I think it's a little reference to the comics Um, in the, the I'm currently rereading the third trade. And I just got to that bit where she's kind of sitting in church, having a conversation with It is God a this conversation. No, 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 no. It's just her kind of talking yeah. out all the stuff that she's gone through to God, trying to figure out whether or not yeah. he's there. And I think it is supposed to be a reference to that, that scene in the comics. But what happens in the show is... Huey shows up and says, hey, you know, sorry for all that shit I did, but come and help me anyway, yeah? You know, I know the last time I saw you was uh, when my mate shot you and I let him shoot you and I ran away. Yeah, but... with a 50 cal in the middle of a public park. And the, and his choice of words when he's like... I thought I'd you... give it a shot. Yeah, I, I knew you sometimes come to this church, so I thought I'd give it a shot. <laughs> but he does. He does have a cheek turning around to ask her to help and she is right, rightly furious with him. Like Mallory, she's got a righteous fury at him showing up. Like Mallory, she's like, how dare you show up and ask me for anything? Yeah. You come in, you implode my life. You make me, you know, she was saying she had to act like an idiot because she was nearly arrested just for knowing him. Yeah. And And she had to make out like that she was some ditzy bimbo who got taken in by him. Yeah. And you wanted me to forget all that and now come and help your psycho killer friends? Like, no. Yeah, especially after like you've killed Translucent, we we know for like she knows for definite that he is he has actively murdered. Somebody. Yeah, well, she tried to arrest him the last time. Yeah, she saw him. <laughs> you see, she's still got a little. She tells him to fuck off, and as he's walking away, she's kind of like, "What? What on earth made you think that I would help you?" Though I I get that when she turns back around and she starts shouting at them, it, it is that thing where you well, you know when you're so mad at somebody and you're like, "I don't even want to talk to you," and you're thinking about it and you're like, "Hang on, no." You you need to explain to me about this. I yeah. need to know about this because this will bother me. That's what it is. She's like, why, after everything you've done to me, why would you think I would still help you? Mm. Like, what is it about me that makes you think you can walk all over me and come back in here? Yeah. And he does. And he explains to her. And it's very valid. Like, she saved his life. Yeah, he he says, you know, well, hey, you're a superhero. And she says, I haven't really saved anybody lately. And he says, well, you saved me. Yeah. And he talks about how when they went bowling, that, you know, he was heading towards a cliff and, and her being just a good person that she was. Pulled him back. Pulled him back. And she says, that was just being there. And he says, well, yeah, but that was what I needed. And it's that's a very important sentiment because sometimes just being there, just being there can save somebody. Yeah. He reminds her an awful lot of like why she got into it. And I think that's, that's it is Hugh will always remind her of who she is at her core, that she, he's always there to be her cheerleader and lift her up and be like, you are a good person and you're a yeah. superhero. And I, you've tried, you always try to do the right thing. And you can see it, it's, it almost gets through to her. Uh, but then she's like, no, no, you know what? Fuck off. And she goes off. And the next time we see her, she's seven or eight drinks deep. Oh, flirting yeah. with the, the Navy guy. Or whatever he's from. I just assume he's in white. So it's some corporate bullshit. Ads. It's, to, it's a party to celebrate them getting into the military. Yeah. And there's a bunch of military people there. And, and there's a beautiful little Black, oh, Black Noir nugget. Our favourite. Our uh, favourite Black Noir bit with the guy at the piano. And when he sits down and the guy's just like, I, uh, yeah, so, um, but he's not, I'm going to go. He sits down and Iran kind of looks at him and continues to play. And then the head just very slowly tilts. And there's like, that mask is incredible. Because I've never seen something that has no obvious, like there's no eyebrows, there's no shit that moves on it. But yet it conveys such emotions through his body type. Yeah. 
They're just the way he very slowly turns and the head tilts and looks at him and your man's like, I'm going to go take a break. And then he starts to play a wonderfully accomplished piano piece. And Black Noir is just... He's just full of surprises. Yeah, he's like, he, he can dance, he can play piano, he can paint, he loves kitties because there is a shot of him and there is a small video from one of the outtakes, I think, of him playing with kitties. Yeah, well, like he, with he, likes, he likes Japanese tea ceremonies. Yeah. And violence, lots of violence, lots, lots and lots of violence. But he is—he's—he's he's an unusual character. He's—he's he's the wild card as a seven because nobody seems to know anything about him. Nobody knows what he looks like outside of that outfit. Yeah, he—he doesn't he, exactly talk to anybody. He alternates between comic relief and just violence. Yeah, <laughs> and I love it. I love Black Noir. I love it. Yeah, no, that is just hilarious. And you've got to wonder, your man's probably in the back shitting himself and was like, you know, somebody's probably yelling at him going, you're supposed to be playing. And he's like, you want to tell Black Noir? (laughs) You go out there and have that conversation. Yeah, he has access to a lot of piano wire. I'm not having that conversation (laughs) with him. No, I love it. I think it is one of my favorite Black Noir bits from the entire season. Better than him popping and locking in the first episode. Better than him staring blankly at Annie when she tries to introduce herself. It's yeah. just that He's... poor piano man. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, but apart from Blackmore and the magnificence that is and everything else that goes in at the party there, um, we get a really nice scene with Annie and Maeve. Yeah, well, after Annie's, she... Annie's like, like you said, she's a couple of drinks deep and yeah, she's flirting, flirting with... with this guy and she's like, electricity comes in. Sparks come out and my eyes glow when I, you know, and he's like, ooh, let's move this party somewhere more private. And you can see it in her. She's like, oh, let's, let's, let you hold on there for a second. And she makes a very polite exit. Which and a beeline have been, for the bathroom. Yeah, but in fairness, <laughs> if that was me, I'd have been like, I got to puke. Move pe-. Like, it would have been like, run, get out of the way. Because like, yeah. Yeah, but that's you. Yeah. <laughs> But Maeve spots her going past and is like, I need to go and have a word with you. I can, she can see that she's completely self-destructing. Yeah. So she, it's not an Annie she's seen before. No. So she but walks it's something into the she recognises. Annie's there on the big white phone to God. But before we get into that, the, when she's flirting with fucking private pretty boy um, and she's showing him the powers where you actually see the power in her hands and you can see the glow and you can see her veins inside her hand yeah, that was really nice. nicely done over the, and she's just holding it over the phone and the phone's going all staticky yeah drawing power from that it's it's really nicely done but yeah Maeve well Annie thinks Maeve's coming in to be a bitch yeah but Maeve actually comes in and, and attempts to well Annie kind of cuts her off and says you know basically tells her to fuck off like I, I'm not in the mood for your shit and Maeve kind of says, look, hey, remember that thing you said about marketing and, and making up that story about me? No, it was legit. And kind of has a bit, opens up to her. And it's a really nice bit of, of characterization for Maeve. Because we find out, not exactly what's happened to her, but she tells us, you know, I, I was like you once. Yeah. And... This is your future. If you continue down the path you're on. Yeah, I was going you're through You're going the, to end up dry, bitter, alone at the world, like angry at the world. Yeah, it's what that's what I did. You know, I came in, I was like you, I, I, you know, didn't get what I expected and started to do what you're doing. And look, this is your future if you keep yeah. going where you're going and says, you know, look, there's, uh, there's already one of me. You be you. You be yeah. the, the, the good girl and you be the, the annoying goody two shoes that you are. And I think that more than what Huey said to her earlier 
about saving him, that has an effect on her. Yeah. Because Maeve in particular, she's she's already stated numerous times. Um, Annie has that Maeve is her is her role model and she read her biography mm. so much that, you know, she wore out the bindings on it. Maeve's aware of that. So Maeve as well, I'd say, sees a lot of herself in Annie and what she was like when she was what, 23 and had an ass you could bounce a quarter off <laughs> As she of. says, yeah. Um, she's She recognises how far she's fallen as well. Yeah. She's an alcoholic with numerous failed relationships. This weird fucked up thing that she's going on with Homelander. You know, they used to date for media or whatever. Whatever, for some reason. And that he's never, he's like the abusive ex that's never going to let her leave. Yeah. She has to, who she is as a person has to be hidden away from the spotlight entirely. And, and we see I, a lot more of that in season two. Yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice um, having, I think especially having female writers come on and take on these characters. Because all you really get of Maeve throughout the comic book run is alcoholic ice queen. There's, yeah, there's... There's not a lot else going on there, except for when she... She offers, there's a few bits that we've already seen in the show and that's basically Maeve's full arc in the comics. Yeah. She... She throws out little tidbits but even at the same time in the comic books it just comes across as in Vino Veritas is is kicking in an awful lot in the comic books. She's sitting there sipping her gin gin martini. Good girl. She's a proper martini. But it is like these very dry sarcastic throwaway lines that are good advice but it's so snared up in all this bile yeah the, that the she, you don't know how to take them the characters in the comics are a lot more one dimensional hmm. a lot of them go through no change whatsoever in the comics and those that do they basically go kind of from one state to another and made it's nice to see the subtlety yeah, oh yeah, no, the characterizations in the show are just so much better. And I think we will probably talk a lot about that next week in our kind of season one wrap. Yeah. But yeah, Maeve in the show is just, she's so much better. There's so much more going on and she's they a, really flesh her out. Yeah, she's an extremely complex character who's going through an almost similar story arc as Starlight. But mm. it's almost the reverse. Starlight has been thrown into this and is learning to swim. Maeve's realized she's drowning. Yeah, and I think there's parallels there as well between Frenchie and Kimiko in that Maeve thinks that if she can, you know, she might have a little bit of redemption for herself through helping Starlight. Yeah. That if she can stop it's Starlight too, from it's becoming too late her. from yeah. her. But if she can stop it happening to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. And it does, it seems to have an effect on Annie because the next time we see her then is when she's rescuing the boys at the end yeah. of the episode. And she tells Yui, you know, it's like you said, I'm a fucking superhero. Yeah. But she's gotten that support from, she's had both of them. Huey telling her, well, you are a superhero. You yeah. saved me and, and you save people. And then Maeve telling her, well, look, this new thing, it's not going to work for you. You'll end up like me. Be who you're supposed to be. And yeah. she realizes that, you know, despite everything else. Yeah. That's what she still wants to do. Like she said in the very first episode, she wants to save people. Yeah. That's who Annie is at her core. Yeah, and she's tried. They've she, they've taken that naive and hopeful because she was extremely naive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The naivety is gone. That's been stripped away. But the thing, very traumatically for her throughout I the season. The thing is that Maeve is like, don't lose the hope. Yeah, don't lose the hope, and it seems that the one thing that they can't strip away from Annie is 
her drive to save people. Yeah, at, at her core, she is good. Yeah, and, and Annie goes on. Uh, she doesn't just kind of stop there either. You know, what we see from Annie in season two again. is very, Yeah, it, is a progression know. of that, of her doing the right thing. Um, it gets a bit more grey. It does get a lot more grey, but at the end of the day, she's still trying to do the right thing, which is more important than doing nothing. Yeah. So, an hour <laughs> into the record, should we talk about Homelander and Stillwell? Oh, God. <laughs> the end of Oedipus. Homelander Oedipus gets rest. the biddy and then some. Oh, it's, yeah. Well, you've got... <laughs> Stillwell's intro. It's our first introduction to Edgar. To the, the you know, Mr. Edgar, who's been spoken we finally of meet him. in hushed tones. Portrayed to by... To Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, portrayed is, by the absolutely excellent Giancarlo Esposito. Because he, 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 you need a villain. There you go. No, Giancarlo Esposito is brilliant as Edgar. He, yeah. We only see this little bit of him here. We get a lot more of him in season two, and <laughs> he is just fantastic. It's very funny trying to reconcile the person that he comes that is presented in this episode with the, I've x-rayed him, you know, he's got blood like engine oil. <laughs> Yeah, because he just seems to be a cool, calm yeah. kind of presence. And yeah, we just get a little tidbit of him in that he gives Madeline a bonus, says, you know... Written look, on a napkin. Come on, you're in a multi-million dollar facility. You cannot write down something on a, like a night. You can't type up a little proposal. No, you got to write a figure on a napkin and slide it across the table like a dodgy deal. It's, it's just, it's the cliche thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's have a look at that figure. It's, yeah. It has to be on a napkin. That's It's just the way it's done. Not here. We put piles of money in a brown paper bag and then like sneaky sneaky <laughs> To politicians. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah, no, we just, we get that little bit of Edgar. He he tells Madeline, look, you know, I've, I've had my eye on you and you're probably going to be my successor. Yeah, you've got to move your office down yet, to but... 82. Basically, you did, you did good, kid. And yeah. still a lights up. Oh, yeah. It, and it's one of the few bits of genuine emotion we see through her when she kind of excitedly slams on the table and knocks her glass over and is like, Wee! and then immediately she's like, Back nope, to being back dignified. To being, yeah. Which then leads to the confrontation with Homelander up on the catwalk above it. Where Homelander spills the beans as to him being the one who created the super terrorists. Yeah. Still, yeah, Stillwell doesn't know how to react as he's going through that. She's like, do I can Oh, she's desperately, when do he's I... standing behind her, she's trying to rearrange her face into oh, something yeah. that is not like... When he's like, well, say something. And she's like, I... <laughs> Yeah. make the face do a thing and the only thing that she can refer to is well I had better use the L seduction tactic yeah it, it, it seems like that you know anything else she's tried doesn't seem to have worked so she's like well let's do this <laughs> and they go the full hog upstairs in her office on that dirty sticky couch the most uncomfortable sex scene I've ever seen in my life I just the picture of him bare ass on that cape <laughs> I'm like, dude, like at least like he just he just played it. She's to like, take way, off your pants. I, but to the way even he the way he like awkwardly slaps her on like the hip and not the ass and No, just, that's weird because she's saying be gentle and it's almost like he's trying to control himself. That's mm. what it came across as to me is he's like, I can't grab you. So he's like, I don't know what to do and she pins his hands down. Oh yeah, because he's It's really, really similar to the Jeep. Those two scenes, although he's a yeah. willing participant in it, but it is it is unco- as uncomfortable. And the two oh, women I don't know if it's are, as uncomfortable. The two women are in a similar a position of power. Yeah, that 
Homelander doesn't know what to do because he's presumably this when he has sex. This is the first time this has but, happened. But presumably when he has sex, he is the one who like takes control. And she's like, no. And she starts saying all weird motherly Who's stuff to him. Sweet boy? And I'm going to take oh, care God. of you. And he just blows his load immediately. And then goes, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> That's the second funniest thing I've ever heard from somebody when somebody came. Okay. First being, you can't just say that. The downstairs neighbour who used to go hammy, hammy, kai. Hammy, hammy, ha. And I used to be able to hear it. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. And they heard me laughing one day because he had his windows open. And I I just lost it. <laughs> and I can never look him in the eye after that. But, but yeah, going, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Which, and she tells him, no, you did good. You did good. Oh, you're my good string strong boy no oh, yeah no that that just uh, uh, <laughs> that actually was less for me was less uncomfortable to watch than the whole the bitty the yeah, bitty scene yeah there was something just really really fucking blah about that this one at least was a bit like it was still uncomfortable but it was I think it was because they were it was a more mature act that they were engaging in as opposed to this mother child but she was play but weird, she at the like, same with time the fingers she was, in the mouth like it just I know but even still at the same time the way she was talking to him yeah. was very much like a mother would talk to their child you know yeah, but she wasn't didn't have a cradled, down. Sit down no don't be do gentle. that be gentle you're a good boy. Yeah. I'm going to take care of you. It's just... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. And then he's sitting... Then afterwards, he's curled up with his head on her lap and she's stroking his head. And, yeah, and she lets And she's telling him about... Yeah, Edgar basically offered me his job. And uh, yeah, he's worried. You know, you're still going to be my day-to-day. And, yeah, everything would have been okay for Stillwell if she just had stopped what she was saying one sentence short because when he says no more lies and no more secrets and she says I promise she says oh you know I just I wanted to spare you the hurt because you take on so much I didn't want you to know about you know suffer the the pain of losing a baby to miscarriage yeah she just said said losing a baby baby. everything would have been fine but she says miscarriage and Homelander's like uh, that's not what Vogelbaum said. Yeah, that, that yeah. Do you not know the art of lying? <laughs> that's not keep what... it vague. Keep the details and as close to to yeah, what actually happened as possible. In his face when she's saying that, you can see the hardening. The change. And yeah. Uh, yeah, she would have been fine if it hadn't been for that. But nope, she says it, and we catch back up with Stillwell then when she goes home. And that is the worst private driver. Yeah, Miles. I have like, it. In, I have it in my notes. Um, Miles, like, Miles, Miles is shit at his Ma- job. Miles is shit at his yeah, job. Yeah, Miles sucks is what I have. Miles sucks at his job. As you said when we were watching it, if he was her, if he was her driver, and he's probably given, her bodyguard. Yeah, he's probably her bodyguard and driver for her, like she's the VP of multinational, multinational yeah. multi-billion corporations. Teams. Yeah, you know she's got security teams. Yeah, so I just that was a bit. Although I suppose if they did have some sort of security team. We'd be sitting here bitching about, well, how did Billy take out that security team all on? So. Yeah, true. <laughs> but but yeah, just, so yeah. she goes in and she realizes that Billy's there. And he says, look, baby's safe. And your nanny's just been drugged, but she's okay. She's out the back in the pill house, presumably conked out. Yeah. And she says, you know, I know who you are and I know why you're here. And I don't know why you think that threatening me and my child will get you Homelander. And he says, well, look. <laughs> I do like the reversal of he doesn't spin around in a chair and he doesn't move forward into the light. He sits back 
into the light. And I just, I just like that. It was like, because he's leaning forward on his knees. Like with his elbows on his knees. And he yeah, he sits back. back into it. I was like, that's nice. Mm. There's so much, there's so many like just pretty shots and mm. the framing in this episode. Uh, just fantastic. But she doesn't panic or anything like that. She keeps it cool. Like, she well, does look some, worried, but For a obviously, woman who's been dealing with Homelander for how long? The only time she cracks is when... Any time Teddy's involved. No, well, in that scene with Butcher, when it's just Butcher and her, the only time she cracks is when Butcher says, "You know, I'm going after his weakness," and she says, "He's got no weakness. They're throwing everything, everything yeah. there possibly is at him, and he's, you know, been fine." And he says, "Oh no, you, you. you're the only <laughs> person he gives two shits about. You're his weakness." And she goes, M- "Me?" And her voice kind of cracks when she says yeah. it. She's worried then because she knows he's right, or at least she thinks, she thinks he's he right. is because when he shows up. No. And starts playing Rapey Santa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Madeline, Santa. poor Madeline ends up tied to, tied to a chair in a bomb vest. Yeah. Like, and Homelander, yeah, Homelander rocks up. He's like, I know you can see me because you've got x-ray vision. Why don't we start, stop playing Rapey Santa and come on downstairs? And <laughs> it's just, I love that Like, line. Butcher's left the child upstairs. In the crib, Homelander brings him down. Yeah, and it's just, just a pure sadistic move. That Homelander walking down those stairs, cradling that baby that he hates so much. And you're going, what the fuck is he going to do? Is he going to kill the child and blame it on Butcher? To get the baby out of the, like... Yeah, I think he's just brought it down just to be... Well, just to fuck with him? Well, no, he... We have to assume he goes in there knowing that he's going to kill Stillwell. Yeah. So, well, whichever way this is playing out, Stillwell's probably not going to come out of it alive, especially if she's being used as leverage against him. Yeah, but I'd say he 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 probably was going to kill Stillwell. Yeah. After finding out the real truth from Volgobam. Yeah. So like he's means- just brought Teddy down just just as a sadistic power move. Yeah. To terrify Stillwell before he actually kills her. I do like the fact that when he's talking about going back and ch- double checking the details with Vogelbaum and saying he put the squeeze on him. You can hear the glove. Yeah, the the glove creaking. Yeah. Because as we discover in season two, he literally put the squeeze on Vogelbaum. Yes, he did. But that that scene is very, very interesting power play because they're all aware of who each other is now. Yeah. Homeland, Butcher's the only one who doesn't know the truth about what happened to his wife. Yeah, Butcher thinks he's in a position, he thinks he's in the strongest position of power in in that scenario. But really, he's not at all. And Homelander... Homelander plays makes that, that clear to, to his advantage. Eventually. But the way he plays that, the way he's talking to Billy about, you know, is it really just over your wife? And, you know, do you even know for sure that I did it? Because as he knows, excuse me. There's no As proof. he knows, well, he knows there's no proof because he now knows he didn't kill Becca. Becca's not dead. Becca's alive. She's off with his son. Billy doesn't know that. Well, we don't know that until the end of the episode. No. But yeah, he knows all this. So he knows for a fact when he's talking to Butcher that he didn't. So he's he's just, he's curious to see. He's like, is it really just on a hunch that you've gone to all this length to get at me? And when he asks him, you know, what his plan is, and he's like, is it just to, to blow her up? And he's like, yeah, I just, I just want to fucking hurt you. And he's like, that's pretty dark. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. His help on he's like, I'm not here to kill you. I just want to hurt you. I'm just, I just want to hurt you really badly. And I'm going to do it by taking away her. Yeah. And while even a matter of a few hours ago, that might have 
really upset Homelander. Yeah. Now it doesn't matter a shit to him. And it shows as well just how low Butcher is because he knows he can't kill Homelander. No. So he's happy to absolutely just leave the boys behind as you know casualties in his wake just so that he can emotionally hurt Homelander. Yeah, he just wants to fuck him over. You know, and I just, it really, to me, it really hammered home that that's all he cares about. Uh, doesn't care about the boys, doesn't care about anything except for hurting Homelander. Doesn't even care if he dies, so long as he can hurt Homelander just some small bit. Yeah, you like he he's like, I took everything. You took everything away from me. Yeah. I'm just going to take a little bit away from you. All the interactions then, and Homelander, because Stillwell's begging, because Teddy, the child is screaming, and she's like, take him upstairs, and then you see Homelander cracking. Because as he's, it's quite jovial, the tone he's using to talk to Butcher. Yeah. And, and then he turns, no, but when he tells her to shut the fuck up and you see that, that change again, where it's extremely aggressive and it's immediate. And you see the change in Stillwell, because I don't think. She, and she cowers. I don't think she's ever been talked to by him like that. No. And she does admit that she's afraid of him. And that's, that's the one of the things I really like that, that all throughout the season, he's wanted her love. Yeah. He's wanted Stillwell's love and still all of her attention. That's why he hates Teddy. Because Teddy's taking her love away from him. And when he realises she's lied to him all this time. And she lied to him again directly. Like literally within a sentence. The same breath. Yeah, the same breath as saying I promise never to lie to you again. She lied to him. And he knows. No, she never loved me. She was just trying to control me. So if I can't control people through love. What's the other thing he likes to control them through? Is fear. So he's not happy until she says, I'm scared. I'm scared of you. And when she finally says that, he's like, that's all I wanted to hear. Now I can kill you. Yeah, he you know, takes her head in his hands, kisses her on the forehead, and then stares deep, deep into her eyes. Yes. And, and then I really wanted barbecue. <laughs> well, that's, it's, it's a, a literal representation of the phrase, if looks could kill, isn't it? Oh, yeah. He, uh, he had fucking precision then. He didn't go straight. He didn't just straight through the back of the skull. He did that slowly. He does have precision because he Here, does that. You don't need precision. Well, he was two inches from her eyes. No, with but his like eyes. you've seen him zoop people through the head in one go. Yeah, and dead. Whereas that, it's very slow and calculated, and he burns away. But he never goes through the back of her skull. No, but he does liquefy her entire brain. Yeah. And most of her face. He he melts her face off. Yeah. And, and then you can see it's still glowing inside, which is quite cool. <laughs> um, no, like when he stops doing it and you can see things are like kind of glowing away. It's, yeah. It's fantastic. There, and there's the, a, the CG bits of blood is, running down her yeah. face as well. It's oh, it's, a, it's an amazing bit of, of VFX. And I remember the first time we watched it, I was not expecting that. No. I didn't. I didn't think they'd kill her off. No, I, I hadn't. I hadn't really picked up on the importance of the miscarriage line. Yeah. So it wasn't until he shows up and he actually said to her, "You should have gotten your story straight with Volvo Bam." And I went back and I was like, "Oh, he's really unhappy with her." I still wasn't expecting him to kill her there and then. No, well, really considering wasn't. we watched that same episode, we've actually had to watch it twice in the last twenty four hours because I fell asleep during the first watch through yeah we watched it last night and, <laughs> and didn't record so we rewatched it today and I'm yeah. recording now so yeah running through it twice in very close succession as well has helped pick up on those little cues that are there yeah well the miscarriage line is one that I was a little bit ashamed that I didn't pick up on the first time that I watched it no there but, is it, this is a big exposition dump episode because we're, it, no, I wouldn't, exposition no, dump's probably not fair because yeah, they are wrapping giving, yeah. up storylines 
there is a lot of oh I do this for X Y and Z. Yeah, no, there is a, a, a lot of motivations are coming to life. Yeah, there's a lot wrapped up for the end of the season. So the 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 V super terrorist plotline is wrapped up in as much as we know who did it and how it went down and who wasn't involved in yeah, it yeah who wasn't who wasn't involved um, and so you've got to v. wonder then if Madeline wasn't involved was Edgar yeah somebody had to know V was going missing from those lamps true well it depends on how much they produce I suppose or well given how much he seemed missing. to have in that he had, he had at least a duffel bag's worth true true and it's not something that's overtly addressed in season 2 if I recall no. so just have so to somebody, watch it with a careful eye but for it to be their top secret drug like it doesn't just go walk back. Somebody higher up had to approve that. Approve of that. So you've got to wonder: Did Edgar approve that mm. too? Yeah, but we get we get a lot wrapped up. Well, wrapped up, and then kind of it follows on. So we get the the wrap up of the the CAA boys storyline of them trying to take down Vought. Well, it turns out that didn't work too well, and you know Vought have won out on that one. Yeah. And but in fairness, that's what happens a lot of the time if you try and take on a big corporation. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. So you've got, yeah, so... But with does set up treads as well for mm-hmm. the second season. So you've got, once Billy loses his leverage over Homelander, because Homelander's wiped out his leverage, Billy just goes, ah, fuck it, releases the detonator, and you think that's the end of it for Billy. You've got the boys all thinking that they're about to be executed, and then there's a bright light behind them. And it's Starlight to the rescue. Yes. Oh, yeah, of course, we haven't talked about that yet. No. Really, have we? The, 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 no, so... But, beautiful fighting. No, but it's, a, it, you know, you've got you've got the four lads. You think that they're all about to exit this life. Yeah, yeah. Get As you said, get shot execution style, two to the back of the skull. But unlike Billy, they have Starlight who comes to their rescue and she starts taking out the guards and you've got the beautiful scenes coming through the shower cur- the spark curtains off the lights because yeah. she's drawing so much power and the SWAT guy who comes up behind her who yeah. just emerges through the sparks to get taken out and then there's the bloke she punches up into the ceiling who doesn't come back down no I'm gonna I'm gonna assume he landed <laughs> on a rafter <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she because they're in. generally fairly good about the trajectory of their victims. In this. <laughs> I will give the BMFX team that, like they they do plot where people come back down, or at least where parts of them do. So I'm going to assume he got caught on something up mm. there. Um, she's rescued them. So there's a nice little look as well from Huey and or sorry from Frenchie and MM at Huey when Annie shows up. Yeah, of like you were right. Shit, you were right all along about her. Yeah. She came to help yeah. us out. And I think that they've finally kind of admitted that, yeah, not all soups are bad. Well, she's, she's certainly won over everybody there. Yeah. You know, she's won over the female. Well, the female's passed out. But when she finds out, well, we assume she'll be happy. Yeah. And she's won over Frenchie and she's won over MM, definitely. So they're making they their make grand escape. escape. And A-Train saunters in. And you've got... Well, prior to this, A-Train's got a really interesting little story arc going on in this because he's got the smashed up leg. So he's going around in civilian clothes, which is one of the only times you see him in civilian clothes. Yeah. And he goes into a sports store. Still colour themed. Yeah. He goes into a sports store and Shockwave's like new shoe merches out and he's looking at it and he's all pissed off and he's being followed by a security guard. Yeah. And you can see other kids in the store like, oh my God, that's A-Train. But the, he turns around and he confronts the security guard. Which is every he has every right to do. He is oh, being yeah. profiled, 
and he's like, oh, I'm A-Train. the security guard's like, yeah, well, I'm Homelander. And then he realizes he's being filmed and <laughs> he very quickly changes, changes his tune. And it's not just that he's been racially profiled as well. It's the fact that his, you were saying this, his ego is so massive yeah. that he can't cope with people not knowing who he is. He, and like he does that. He goes off on this little rant about how he's A-Train and he's the, the fastest man in the world yeah. on crutches. <laughs> yep. and then you see him he's obviously back on the V because then he's pulling a train training and his brother Nathan rocks up and is like what the fuck is on what are you doing yeah, basically you tells muppet him, you know I'm not going to sit here and watch you kill yourself with I'm, that I'm shit yeah. yeah and he's and he just accuses off. him of being he does the, the atypical thing he's like oh you're just jealous of me because you're you're nothing yeah it's like, no, he just cares. He's your brother. He's just looking out for you, you dick. Like, you were talking about, you've already said that, you know, you are you grew up in a really poor area. You would have grown up around drug abuse and, like... Yeah, he would have seen addiction issues yeah, before. Yeah, and his older brother in particular seems to have wanted to shelter him from all of that. Mm. And for him to turn around and be using it and then accuse him is a bit of a slap in the face because his brother has stood by him through everything yeah I was reading in the trivia that uh, Jesse Usher spent a lot of time before filming talking with Kripke about how they wanted to portray A-Train yeah he, he is he's a very sad he, figure he wanted to or sorry Jesse Usher very much wanted to portray him as like one of these absolutely you know ultra elite athletes who's at the top of their game but is completely paranoid and terrified of losing their position yeah. and their abilities yeah and yeah that definitely comes across oh yeah. that's definitely the type of person he is like all he all he has is being the fastest and that's it that's been his motivation the whole way through the season yeah has been about i gotta take the v so that i can be the fastest man alive and i can stay on the seven because i'm at the this is the olympics of superheroes yeah and he you know he's willing to compromise everything that yeah. he is as a person all killing of his integrity his, killing innocent civilians killing abuse, his girlfriend yeah, abuse manipulate and then kill his girlfriend all for the sake of his position basically yeah. and yeah and we see a little bit of guilt from him in that after he has the beautiful little high noon fight scene with Annie yeah where it is pretty much you know <laughs> draw pilgrim yeah kind of he, scene he walks into the warehouse and he's like oh shit you are a traitor and you are fucking this guy because Annie's with them. Yeah. And he's like, everything that we've been saying about you is true. Yeah. Then Huey, he spots Huey as well. Yeah. Like, oh shit, you're the guy who's responsible for the jailbreak. But I really like the fact that Huey like pushes the rest of them out and shuts the door and stays with her. He doesn't stand a chance again. What's he going to no. do? But he still stays with her. Because he's he knows he's responsible for yeah. that situation. Unlike, again, unlike Butcher... Who has put the boys in that situation. And then just fucks off. And then fucks off on them. He realises that A-Train is here because of his actions and because he's asked Annie to show up. Yeah. So he stays to deal with it and make sure the boys can get away. Um, When he's having the altercation with Butcher and Butcher's like, oh, you know, you're a disgrace to Robin's memory. And he stops and he goes, no, I'm I'm doing doing this this for for her. her." Because he knows it's the right thing to do. Like, he stays there and, like, all he's good for, realistically, is target more, practice. More importantly, something I've just realised, in the very first conversation that Robin and Huey have, is about Huey standing up for himself. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. 
he's standing up for himself. Well, the only conversation that they have. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. It's something as trivial as asking for a raise, but the point is still there: is that he needs. She, to... Yeah, she's saying you need to stand up for yourself, and this is when you yeah. finally see him for things, properly for do things it. that are important. Yeah. Yeah, because he's it's like he's basically target practice, but you've got. A trains there going, oh shit, they were all right. Nobody's going to believe this. He just thinks all his chickens have come home to roost. If he can drag her, the pair of them in and be like, I caught them and yeah. they've caused this carnage. And this is, you know, and get her out as well because he's really, really dislikes her. Yeah, well, I think even if... Just, like, just the fact yeah. that she was tied to Huey, even if she well, wasn't. Well, he does when they have that fight. He's like, you know, you came in and then Translucent disappeared and the Deep but, got sent off and all of these problems with the Seven and he perceives everything. She's the catalyst for everything that's gone wrong. Yeah, but what I'm saying is even if she, if he believed her story that she didn't know any of it and she wasn't tied to it and beyond but, accidentally... Yeah, getting involved with being Huey. found in a warehouse, helping them escape, kind of undoes. Oh, of course, of no. But what I'm saying is, I don't think he, he wouldn't have liked her anyway, just because of the fact that she accidentally ended up going out with Huey. Yeah. given what he holds Huey responsible for. Yeah, and just before his heart attack, he does see. It seems like the guilt finally gets the better of him, and he says, "You, you, killed, know, you killed my, my girlfriend. girlfriend," and Huey's like, "No, I, I really didn't." And he's like, "Well, no," he says, "I did, but it was your fault." Yeah, and then he has his heart attack. He does not look well coming into that fight scene. Oh, no. Anyway. He's like all sweaty and, and yeah. You can hear his heartbeat and yeah. Even when he's like running, when they they have their little high noon moment and Annie's. The, oh, the slow mo scene. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. And you can just, he's, you can hear his heartbeat speeding up as and well. And he's barely missing the lasers. Like he's having to, like, when he's stopping, he's not stopping in time and having to, like, duck under her, yeah. her blasts and then turn the other direction. And he just manages to get. He like two hands to the chest yeah. and hoofs her out Gets of it. Gets the better of her. And then confronts Huey over everything. It's just too much because he's taken... God knows how much of he's had to take. Yeah. And Nathan had stated previously, he's like, your heart's enlarged. Yeah. And he's obviously taken a whole bunch extra to get over the, the broken the leg. leg. Yeah. So he, yeah, he's, he's not in good shape. Yeah. And he drops to the ground and has a heart attack. And Huey's like... God damn it. I, I can't let him die. Yeah, I still got to say that. Does, does the right thing. Well, well, I, no, Annie steps up then and is like, you get out of here. Yeah. And I'll look after him and, you know, I might be able to spin it. Yeah, well, I don't think Annie knows how she's going to spin it. She but, just knows she doesn't want him to get caught. No. And if he's, you know, having a heart attack, he's going to be in hospital for a little while. So at least she's probably got a few hours to try and yeah. straighten her story out before he wakes up. But I think the only thing we haven't talked about at this point is the bomb that they drop at the very end of the episode. So you've got Annie staying to hold her cover, keep it, and to save A-Train, to stay with A-Train. We don't know how that's going to work out. Butcher is presumably in a million little pieces, but then he wakes up on in suburbia. I think, if I, I think it's directly following yeah. the explosion. The explosion happens yeah. and it cuts to black and then fades up with Billy lying on the ground. And, and a sprinkler like, going off yeah, in the background. sprinkler going off and it all seems very idyllic and Homelander's like, hey, you, you, want, you want to see this. Wake your ass up. Yeah, he basically wakes up in a Norman Rockwell painting. Yeah. And we see a little child walk outside and look at Homelander and Homelander's like, hey, you know. Do you know who I am? He says, yeah, you're Homelander. And then we see Becca walk out of the house. She sees Homelander and her face drops. 
and she sees Billy in her face drops even further and Homelander says that he's the kid's dad and, and the kid's eyes glow and Butcher just looks horrified and the pair of them are just staring at each other and the episode ends yeah and fuck me like I remember the first time we watched this I it, it blew my tiny little mind yeah. because in obviously in the comic books the baby never survives yeah, the baby never survives and Becca never survives. Becca and doesn't then, survive it either. And that kind of is, is Butcher's motivation for everything is that, you know, you she's, took away my wife. Not only did you take away my wife, but you put something in her. But she's fridged from the beginning. Yeah. In the comics, you don't ever get to see Becca except for in a flashback about halfway through when Billy tells Huey about what happened. Yeah. And then not until very near the end of the run do we see a flashback about... Billy meeting Becca for the first time and their relationship and stuff like that. It's it's really, really late before we get any sort of characterization for yeah. her. And she was she's just she's his motivation and nothing more in the comics. Whereas in the show we had already gotten a bit of characterization for her, you know, we saw who she worked for and the things she liked and stuff like that. Mm. But I still wasn't expecting for her to be alive. No, no. Not no, no. at all. Living out in some suburb somewhere. Yeah. Presumably hidden away by Vaught. Yeah, because and it they seems have, like it's just a Because they have, yeah, Vaughn have, have admitted that she went to them. With, the, yeah, saying I'm pregnant. Yeah, so. With Homelander's baby. Whatever happened, presumably, you know, obviously the story is that she did go into labour, she had the child, and they've secreted her away somewhere. Never because, told Homelander. Because Vogelbaum stated that her child should be kept with its mother. Yeah. So they've take, take, kept both of them. That's what we are to assume is that mm. this was a plot by Vought to keep to, yeah. A to keep Homelander away because Homelander's Homelander and B <laughs> to try and Homelander two Yeah, make Homelander offspring, 2.0. offspring of Homelander, let's try and make one that's got a bit more empathy. Yeah, one that's not so crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just I, I really I never would have seen that coming. No. And rewatching it, I think it has lost a bit of the impact because we know it's coming. We know yeah. But yeah, that, that first watch, and we spent hours, hours and days and weeks following, watching that episode, talking about, oh man, you know, what could it mean, and what's going to happen, and... Yeah, where are they? Are there other soups with children? Because, yeah. like, they mentioned that Translucent has a child, but they never mention anything about whether or not he's got superpowers or anything like that. It's not something that's brought up in the show at all, about the fact that they might be able to reproduce, and, and then... Homelander's like, here's my kid. And it's like, oh, oh God. It brings... And with the little flash in the eyes, it makes you think, okay, well, this kid's got superpowers as well. Mm. So... What the fuck does this shit do? Yeah, but can they all? Yeah, can they all have kids? Yeah, what's the story? What about the ones that are like crazy and can like turn into other shit? What do you mean? Like doppelganger? Oh, like doppelganger. Can he asexually reproduce? Oh, I'm your mother (laughs) and your father. (laughs) But as far as cliffhangers go as well, yeah. it's it wasn't one of those annoying cliffhangers where it's like, oh, we put all the, all the main cast and crew in obvious, like, extreme Jeopardy. peril just, you know, just seconds before death and then end the episode. We, our, our main characters are in peril. They're still, the boys are still wanted men and female. Annie is in a rather precarious position in terms of A-Train knows the score now. Yeah. And Billy is... Not in any immediate danger because it seems Homelander doesn't want to kill him. He'd rather quite happily hold this over him. My wife, or sorry, your wife is raising my child. Yeah. Ha ha. 
So he's not dead, but well, God he's damn already it. had he's already had a good old dig out of him being like, "Oh, she came to me, and she came three times." Yeah, he Homelander makes out like it was very much consensual. Yeah, like he's and he's holding his sexual prowess over him as well. Yeah, I, I somehow doubt that Homelander was able to go for three hours, given how long we saw him last with Stillwell. Yeah, well, then again, that could just be the Stillwell effect. <laughs> but yeah, I just. It's it's a really good cliffhanger, as I say, without being one of those annoying kind of cliched over yeah, the well, top ones. Yeah, well, given it takes them, it, it is about a year and a half between seasons. Well, that, yeah, that aired in, it was July 2019 that season one came out and it was dumped on once. And it yeah. wasn't until, what, September 2020 that season two started to air and we only got the first three episodes. So it was across six weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, it was 13, 14 months between one starting and the other finishing you don't want a, a major major like frustratingly annoying cliffhanger plus when when they filmed they wouldn't have known if they were going to get a season two or not no so if it did end it wasn't going to be horribly annoying a la Constantine yeah Constantine or Space Above and Beyond um, was one from my childhood where it literally it was one season and it ended with every last one of the characters being completely fucked in various different ways and you know Stargate. oh how are they going to get out of this and Stargate Universe Stargate, yeah Stargate Universe ended in a similar way uh, there was a BBC series years back called oh, Invasion been, Earth yeah there's been tons yeah. that have ended like that so I think they, they didn't want to put themselves in that kind of situation so it was kind of yeah because that annoyed me season. as well like I loved Constantine I loved I just, oh it was so good what was Manny doing that's all I want to know but because of the way that ends, I wouldn't go back and rewatch it because I just get really frustrated again. Yeah, if if this so was this, all we ever got of yeah, the boys, I would be I would be okay with that. I'm like, yeah. okay, there's a kid, so there's a further, you know, they've gotten away. This is your immediate arc. It does wrap it up quite nicely. Yeah, the, it, it, as I say, if, if that was all we ever got, I, I'd be happy with it and I'd rewatch it. Hmm. Like you said with Constantine, it's hard to rewatch it because it ends on such a cliffhanger with so so unresolved. It's just going to be unsatisfying because you know that's waiting for you at the last episode. Uh-huh. But as it turned out, before season one of The Boys even aired, just off the buzz from the promo campaign, Amazon decided to renew a second season. Yes. Similarly then, before season two aired, they announced that season three was going had been greenlit. And now we are in a situation where there is going to be a spin-off show as well. Yes. No real details about when that's coming out or anything. It's going to be loosely going to be... based. I've seen a, a loose plot synopsis is that it's going to be based around the G-Men, which is their in-universe version of the X-Men, led by an eccentric billionaire. I think... And it is going to be more of... Um, it's a vault school for superheroes. It's a, almost like a university, so we're still going to be getting that kind of very frat house... Yeah. Energy, Blarney Cock, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, well, well, we can go into that a little bit later, I think. Yeah. But yeah, so for an episode finale, I was really happy with it. Yes. While there is a lot, it's not overwhelming. No. No, there's a lot to digest. And I think they they gave us enough that it was going to leave people talking for a while afterwards. Mm. And it rightly did, you know? Yeah. But as I said, we're going to do a season wrap next week. Yeah. Where we'll talk in detail more about what we thought of the season at large and, and changes they made and various other bits and bobs that we want to rant about. Yeah. But anything else you'd like to add for this episode, Kira? No, I'm just, I want food. Kira wants food. Feed so. me Seymour. <laughs> Which know. means you've got about 40 minutes before I dis, you know. Yeah, I'm in danger here, folks. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, let's let's not delay the food any longer. And thanks for joining us, guys. We are Mono Rants. You can find all our episodes wherever the podcasts live. Uh, let us know what you thought of our coverage of season one of The Boys by emailing us at monorantspodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at rantsmono. Thanks for joining us for the season and we'll be back next week, like I said, with a season one wrap. Bye-bye. Yeah.